I'll tell you what, if we if we ever changed the currency to like unmatched Tupperware containers to lids, we would be filthy rich in the Deech household. Hello, my friends. Thank you for joining us for the PebCAC podcast, a weekly information security show featuring some all-around good people. It is week 49 of 2022. I'm Chris Louie, and welcome to December. With me, I have the cloud god who lives in one of the three states that consumes the least amount of butter in the U.S. That's uh, funny and ironic, because if you look at my lifetime stats they're all pretty average until you get to the column that says total butter consumed i'm pretty sure that i would kick both your butts but does we have the ability to actually compare that but does i can't believe it's butter count because i know you use that you use that for your tupperware right so (laughs) (laughs) i'll tell you what if if we ever change the currency to like unmatched Tupperware containers to lids, we would be filthy rich in the beach household. Yeah, sounds Where do they great. go? Where do they go? I don't know. I think the kids throw them away. I think so too. <laughs> and we have Glenn Medina, better known as Baby Yoda, not broadcasting from his nice and warm Tesla today. Where are you broadcasting from? I'm broadcasting from the Beverly Hills Marriott. Uh, come here to visit a, a customer and I have the room to a toasty 74 degrees because uh, right, right now at my house with the heater going out, it is 61. And I'll send that as a screenshot for you guys. Holy crap, bro. 61. We're at 68, but we haven't turned on the heat yet. <laughs> you would do that to your your poor wife and kids. Let <laughs> yeah, them freeze no out. You're over here at the Beverly Hills. I have no choice. My ties. I have no choice because the heater's out. The, the fan blower went out this past week. So... You do have a choice to turn your heater down to 60 degrees, you know. I can't turn the heater on because it's broken. the one in your hotel room, you jerk. I like it. I like it. Suffer with your wife and kids. Oh. (laughs) I know you do, obviously. Suffer in solidarity with them. It's true. Oh, no. Heck no. Glenn is all about number one. Why do that? (laughs) (laughs) Who is number one? Remember that? Or is that number two? No, that number was two. No, yeah, he's talking about number hours. two working for. Yeah, you tell that turd who's boss. <laughs> There's oh, no guess this week. Combined, we have decades of information security experience, and are here not just to educate but to entertain. We've got four awesome stories for you this week, so sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. So, on my comment earlier about Brian living in the state that consumes the least butter. The three states that consume the most butter are West Virginia, Vermont, and Iowa. And the three states with the least amount that consume the least amount, Arizona, New Mexico, and Nevada. All geographically located together. It's kind of odd, right? It's like a cool states, colder states versus warm states, where warmer states probably don't have butter because it'll melt. They. I have a theory for... Go ahead, Chris. Let's hear your theory, because I, I know the actual reason. So my theory is in Arizona and New Mexico, maybe not Nevada, I think large portions of the populations here eat Mexican food. And I think that uh, lard is the uh, the flavor of choice when cooking Mexican food, as opposed to just butter. But I could be wrong. 
So you are correct. So West Virginia, Vermont, and Iowa are all in the Northeast. They are influenced by European cuisine for obvious reasons. And Arizona, New Mexico, and Nevada are southwestern states that were influenced by Hispanic cuisine for obvious reasons. And each of those cuisines respectively use a lot of butter and don't use much butter at all. Interesting. All right. Let's go to Iowa. I want to check out their food, see what's actually going on over there. Show the Iowa State Fair right before the, the presidential primaries. I think like deep fried stick of butter is on their state fair menu, right? So Pretty sure that's a thing, yeah. Today, we're going to open the show with some closing of the loop about another crypto exchange filing for bankruptcy. Start with some Kanye West or Yee news, as he's known as now. Next, we have a ransomware gang that went out of business because of their own fault. Then a bombshell report that the U.S. FBI bought some controversial spyware. More companies are moving to a subscription model, and we'll tell you about two that you probably don't expect. And we'll close with the story of how we all met. Closing the loop this week. BlockFi is the latest cryptocurrency exchange to file for bankruptcy protection in the wake of the massive FTX collapse. What is going on? Did FTX really have that big of a uh, an impact where the stability of the, the coin is really at stake here? What do you guys? Well, I didn't, I didn't read the filing for it, but BlockFi was necessarily tied to FTX. It was either tied to some collateral or some loan or something with their coin. So if FTX goes, you know, BlockFi goes. This is sort of like 2008 when Lehman Brothers fell, then Bear Stearns fell, then Merrill Lynch fell, then it started this domino effect. Didn't you call that the pin? Pin action. Would you, pin action, yeah. Yeah, pin action. A little bit different, but this is more of a cascading series of failures just because of how intertwined all these crypto exchanges and back then how intertwined all the banks were these guys are not selling me on the whole cryptocurrency being the next iteration of currency in life i i believe you're still holding though right chris yep hodl you believe hodl 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 yeah, like I said, on I think it was the last episode. It was cryptocurrency. The fundament fundamentally, I think it can it can work. It's when people got too creative with it, and that's when we ran into problems. Do you think that large banks are influencing it in one way or the other to to help not make it so reliable? I, I think so. I think the banks have a vested interest in seeing it fail. Well, shout out to us on the podcast when we warned our listeners last week about an uptick in fraud related to Black Friday and Cyber Monday. The U.S. CISA also issued a similar warning, warning customers to think before you click. And I should also add a warning about fake World Cup streaming sites also trying to deliver malware to unsuspecting users. So Brian has a note here that he has a closing the loop item. Brian, you want to go ahead? Yeah, I had actually two. One is be about the uh, the World Cup, and do you think that the U.S. government is trying to uh, fix some of these games over there? Because I, I think the U.S. is headed to the the championship or the 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 round of sixteen. World. We made it to the next round, which is called the round oh, of sixteen. Okay. 
Okay, so we're not like is is it as I like to call it with college sports, this the sweet sixteen is where we're at? Yeah. If we're gonna you know, point towards March Madness. Okay, well that's cool. Well let's see if they can go anywhere. So far it's been very uh boring, right? They they advanced because of a zero zero tie and then a absolute triumph against Iran with a score of one to zero. Yeah, against Iran. Cheeks. Yeah. Iran. Iran. Is it? Yep. Yeah, we beat, we beat Iran one nothing, and I I was curious as to how the Iranian government would react to that because not only did they lose and get eliminated, they lost to what they would call the Great Satan, which is the U.S. So I don't know how <laughs> how comfortable that Iranian team feels going back to their country. Did you hear about that? Those guys are all asking for amnesty right now because they can't go back home. I but, um, I believe it. But um, um, I was just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh. it's believable though <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right so my my closing the loop on the marriage so a couple of episodes back i think we had something to do with like uh yeah funny, funny wedding stories and, yeah yeah so i forgot my own my wife was listening and she's like she was shocked that she, we didn't bring up like what actually happened at our wedding so finish this vow for me uh in sickness and in health Death. You guys both agree? Okay. Sickness. Yeah, my wife, I don't know what was going on, but she said in sickness and in wealth. <laughs> <laughs> in good times and in bad times. In good times. Yeah. <laughs> even if so you I had no money. Health is... Yeah, even if you didn't well, have money, that Brian, money she'd baby. love you. She'd love you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. Do you do you never let her live that down? I we just we point back at it every once in a while. I think it's funny. Yeah. So I don't know. What, I don't know what to make of it. So it's in sickness and in wealth, which means as long as I'm sick and I have money, I'm good. But if I'm sick and I have no money, maybe I'm in trouble. That's yeah. Right. Then I think legally those vows no longer apply. Then does it really matter? That is a, does that a, is that a vow thing? He signed the uh, the uh, that's a church thing, isn't it? That's not a that's not a legal. Not a state thing. thing. Yeah, not a state thing. Is it a legal binding document? I don't know. We'll have to find out. Actually, I don't want to find out. <laughs> You'll find out if you ever get sick and have no money. Then that's right. That that's when we'll call in the lawyers. Okay, you heard you heard it here first, team. So in sickness and in wealth, that's how we roll at the Deej household. Go, Corinne. <laughs> For our opening topic, Brian sent an interesting story to our group chat where someone on Reddit reported that they stored a video in their Google Drive account and Google took it down, claiming it violated their terms of service. Now, this is not unusual if the video had some type of violent content or some type of adult content that clearly violates their terms of service. But the video that got taken down was an interview with Kanye West. I don't know what the contents of the video are, but I have to guess that it would normally be okay to store it there. It's just a guy talking and getting interviewed. But if it's true that this video did get taken down, that would mean Google is being the thought police here. So it, was this video being shared or was it just being stored, right? There's, I think there's, there, there, we've got to get some background on this because I, I, if, if this was just, hey, it's my personal video and I'm storing it there, how dare you reach in, go look at that, and 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 take it from me? 
right? Versus, hey, I, I'm going to use Google as a repository, but I'm going to share it with you and the rest of the world for, for viewing. So let's say that you did share it. Like, do they really have the right to, number one, search for it? And then number two, like, why remove it? Why not just remove the, the sharing of it? True. I don't know. This this really chaps my hide. So we'll yeah. see. Is this the the fine the fine uh, the fine uh, the fine words inside the the legalese that when you click, yes, I will abide by everything. The terms of service, do. yeah. Terms of service, mm. yeah. Yeah, it's I mean, I, I think when you click that button, it's it's my platform, my rules. So it's similar to the Twitter rules, you know, pre Elon and post Elon. You know, it's my Twitter, my rules. I get to choose who comes on. I get to choose who gets kicked off, who gets deplatformed. That's probably the shield Google is gonna hide behind. I haven't been paying much attention to all the Kanye West stuff because I I don't, I don't think I follow him, or is this not in my my scope of things? But my wife shared one video with me and as crazy as everything it sounds with him that's going on, like he, he literally was sound like he was just like, at least with the Adidas thing, he was just trying to get out of the contract that he was in. And so by posting a stupid tweet of some nature that may have been horrible, I have no idea, was enough to get him out of like a multi-million dollar contract and let him have his freedom, uh, his creative freedoms back, which is kind of wild. Because when you look at it from a tweet, you're like, oh my gosh, this guy's insane. But on the back end, it was just, it's just clever. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. What do you guys think? And by the way, I have no idea what the tweet said. So I don't want to bandwagon here and be like, yeah, go Kanye. And you know, anyways, he's, over there, he's like, kill all the white people. I'm like, oh, wait a second. <laughs> yeah, I think what sparked the controversy was he, he's made some anti-Semitic remarks. And I think he since doubled down on that and... and like you said, he was on Twitter saying, you know, or not. I mean, it was an interview. He says, Adidas can't cancel me. No one's going to cancel me. And then Adidas cancels him the next day. But I've heard people, like intelligent people, not not talking heads on the news. Like I've heard actual intelligent people talk about it. And the consensus seems to be he's having a manic episode because some of these people know people that actually go through, have, they have diagnosed mania and they said this is actually very common for people when they're having a manic episode to say things they don't mean, say very, very offensive things they don't mean, and it just happens when they're not taking their medication. So if he is diagnosed with mania, and what supports it also is some of these rants and things he's done in the past that we think he has mania, he's probably not taking his medication, and if he were to take his medication, he might snap out of it and become the normal Kanye West that, that you know again. But like I said, I'm not I'm not supporting Kanye, right? But some of the things he's saying is like, hey, all these things that are happening to me, I'm not getting any visibility. So maybe he does have to act out in order to hear this. I don't know. Like I said, I'm not I'm not a supporter of Kanye. Don't like I said, it's just kind of like, hey, how does he get onto a platform and voices his his frustration with some of the things that are going on contractually with him? All I know is that. Uh... If he releases any new music, it will probably be well received. I guarantee it's just going to be old Kanye West. It'll be straight fire. I don't know what people, the hip, you know, the cool things of saying anymore. And probably the same thing. I never really got uh, along with any of his clothing line or his shoes. I never, I don't, I think Chris, you owned a pair of Yeezys. I think I remember seeing that. I never did, but I, I guarantee you that he'll probably come out with some really cool things again because he's, he's unlocked that part of his brain where it's this pure craziness, but unfortunately it doesn't come with a filter. 
Wait, Chris has a set of Yeezys? Really? Yeah, I have, I have Yeezys. Those things aren't cheap. <laughs> oh, he would wear it when he was changing the uh, the tires on his car. That's <laughs> how much money Chris got. I'm telling you. Yeah, depending. Some of them on the resale used to go for a lot. I, I think I, when that, that whole Adidas dropped him thing came out and my other buddy's a sneakerhead too. We were messaging back and forth like, Does, is this good for the value of the sneakers because there's never going to be another pair of Yeezys released again? Or is it bad because it's got the negative connotation? But we'll see. I think people bought them not because they were Kanye West shoes. I think they bought them because they, one, liked the look of them, and then, two, they were supposedly very, very comfortable. Yeah, that is true. That is true. They, they were a bit out there. It was a bit of a stretch for me to get my first pair, but I'm like, yeah, these I could rock them, and they are very comfortable because they use the Ultra Boost that Adidas has. I love that it's a stretch for you. <laughs> Instead of a liar. The style? <laughs> it was mean? a stretch for me. Oh, oh, I think it meant financially it was the strength. No, no, the style. The style. It wasn't my style. Like I'm, I'm the normal, you know, Straight core ultra guy. boost. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Then to have these these like zebra prints and things where you you are not like... straight lace, Chris. Look at you. You're wearing a Christmas sweater already. Like, come on. And I think those reindeer are humping themselves. <laughs> it's Mickey Mouse. It's Mickey Mouse. <laughs> oh, oh, my bad. <laughs> I don't know how you could possibly confuse the two. No, like that's you know my word against yours. There's no proof. <laughs> All right, screenshot taken and check our Instagram account. There's no way you're posting this. <laughs> Look, everyone he changed shirts. All right, Mickey Mouse went on now. Since he said change shirts for our first topic, this will be our ransomware story of the week. For over two years, security researchers have been quietly decrypting victims' files of those who got locked by the Zeppelin ransomware gang. Security researchers discovered a flaw in the encryption algorithm Zeppelin used to and kept that flaw quiet because if the flaw was published, Zeppelin would immediately fix it. When a victim got their files locked, they would contact the U.S. FBI or their respective law enforcement agency and that agency would refer them to this group of security researchers who would decrypt their files for free. The Zeppelin ransomware gang recently announced that they are winding down their operations. Guess why? Because no one was paying the ransoms. So yeah, the, the article was actually pretty interesting. So the thing that kind of stood out to me is, number one, they were encrypting with a 512-bit key. RSA key, which is already a challenge to anybody with, you know, a credit score and a heartbeat. Uh, I think it was back in 2000 is when like at least 1024 was a thing. But even then, by by today's standards, that's like terrible. Everyone's doing at least 2048 or elliptical curve. Um, the problem that they had is they actually that key was at the bottom of the encrypted file so they were able to extract it and then once they did that it was just a rc4 hash which is problematic all in itself and so then you're left with like this uh private key and the 20 2048 bit rsa key that was kind of embedded inside of all of that and then i think all it took for them to kind of brute force this was uh some what was gpu it? 800 time. some gpu time i think yeah. specifically it was 800 cpus on 20 servers was able to kind of brute force it and get its way in. And I think those servers were d- 
donated by some, I don't remember the company, but they should get a shout out. They donated their CPU, GPU time and said, yeah, have at it, help these people out. Have you seen those those latest videos uh, or reels or whatever they are on Instagram or whatnot? It's like uh, hackers like send me 50,000 or I'm going to uh, show everyone your your iCloud photos. And then they're like, my iCloud photos are like you know, pictures of dogs or foods. It's like nothing worth $50,000. <laughs> Yeah. No, the yeah. other iCloud photos, the one in the hidden folder. No. Yeah, see, I'm smart enough not to use that one, Glenn. <laughs> so next time we're together, we'll, we'll we'll ask you to open that one up. Let's see what's going on in there. That's right. The, the funnier meme that I saw was the email that you get. It says, I've hacked your webcam. I've recorded you doing something naughty. Send me $500. I'm going to send it to all your friends. And then the the response, some security research response says, I will pay you $500 if you tell me how to get my webcam drivers working on Linux. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say, uh, you know, like, good luck finding any friends. I don't have any. <laughs> yeah, check out the article, though. It, it, goes, it goes pretty in-depth, and it shows all the encryption flaws that this this company or this ransomware gang did and that's that's always the heart of it if the crypto isn't solid then the whole business model falls apart Fall because apart. people just got to get their files back for free you think it wouldn't be that hard to do it i think or to to fix that from a ransomware standpoint i remember looking at the zeus one which is like the man in the browser type of uh attack where it's like it hangs out in your browser and you can capture all the keystrokes and send it off and they were like the the command and control was sending it over an rc4 channel yeah <laughs> and I so it's, again it's just a matter of time before you can reverse engineer that and then see exactly what kind of information where it's going uh mantle in the middle of it and then do your own nefarious things with it yep your crime syndicate is only as strong as its weakest hashing or encryption algorithm but if you're that good to like do things like this, like why would you be using poor encryption? Is it just two different parts of the brain? You think it's laziness? It's, yeah, it was either laziness or they took a piece of ransomware off the shelf. Somebody else's laziness. Yeah, it's Is so he, easy to do encryption correctly nowadays. You think that it would just it's kind of top of mind. Yeah, like it is and it isn't because when we're looking at post quantum crypto algorithms, like there was a algorithm that made it to i think it was the final stage it was about to be selected and then some math nerds came in and said the crypto is strong but you did the math wrong and it was easily cracked by a regular cpu because they didn't they didn't do the math correctly how do you not do the math correctly i don't understand that it's like you're you're designing this on the computer right so yeah it's the way they implemented it yeah okay it's the way they implemented they left like they left it vulnerable because of the way they implemented it this office space conundrum all over again. <laughs> Rounding errors. Yeah. All I have to say is Zeppelin ransomware gate. They, this must be like super lazy because rather than just implement better encryption standards, there's like, you know what? We're just going to hang it up. We're done. Uh-huh. I don't understand that. Well, they also, didn't know that was why. They just thought they were unsuccessful in selecting their victims. So someone's <laughs> going to pick their stuff up and just repackage it with better encryption. So. Yeah. Mark my words, that's November 30th, 2022. Someone will repackage the Zeppelin ransomware gang's work. That will be uh, 
Oh, that's so funny. Put truffle butter. I had actually had a joke about that. Anyways, why does Glenn look like he's in a witness protection program right now? <laughs> or a CIA black site. I am. Blink yeah. twice if you need help and we'll send help. I've been blinking this whole time. We can't even see time. his face. He's I've been, all... <laughs> I've been blinking this whole time. What are you talking about? <laughs> For those of you watching, me and Chris have adequate lighting. We can see each other on the webcam recording. But Glenn is like, has a very bright background. Well, now, yeah, now I can see your cheesy little face. All but right. before then, it was cheesy, just, cheesy yeah. face. Well, Thanks. Look at that, that. Look at that big old grin. That this is a happy, face. go lucky guy. Yeah, he's in the Beverly Hills Marriott. That's why he's so happy. It's all fun. All right. Since he said cheesy face for our second topic, this story Jeez. has been making its rounds on Infosec Twitter and Mastodon. In a bombshell report by the New York Times, the U.S. FBI, so our domestic intelligence agency, admitted to buying NSO Group's Pegasus software and considered deploying on the phones of U.S. citizens. Back in March of this year, FBI Director Christopher Wray testified that the FBI did not use any NSO, NSO software in any investigations, but they did buy a license for testing and evaluation. Ray claims that they purchased the software so they could study it for counterintelligence purposes to see how it might be using as the U.S. and to evaluate security concerns with the software. Records indicate that discussions to procure the software more widely for criminal investigations stretch into 2021 until NSO was placed on a U.S. blacklist due to allegations its software was being abused to spy on political rivals and human rights activists making it impossible to buy in the U.S. and made the NSO sales rep very, very sad. I mean, technically he didn't lie, right? He just kind of fudged the truth a little bit there. Yeah, I think they stretched it a little bit. Uh, Senator Ron Wyden, so this isn't like a left or right thing. So Ron Wyden's a Democrat, but he's also very, he's up on things, cybersecurity and privacy, and he was like furious when he heard that the FBI actually bought this software and was considering this deploying it on U.S. citizens' phones. Does that surprise this, you guys? Uh, this shouldn't surprise anybody about what the government does, right? Big Brother. No, it doesn't surprise me. Yeah, I, I think, if anything, if they bought it, they bought it just for the sheer fact that they wanted to uh, reverse engineer it and then make it their own. Yeah, or do some kind of bake-off. That NSO is not the only player in town. See if there's anyone else that could do it, too. Is the is this the one that uh, NSO originally had like the you had to send a text message to compromise it and then eventually they got to the point where all they needed was a phone number and they can exploit the device? Yeah, that that was that is them. Zero day, not zero touch. What what, what kind of vulnerability is that called? Zero click, zero click zero RCE click, yeah. remote code execution. Yep. yep. So they would send Six. send a maliciously crafted PDF or send a WhatsApp message or send an iMessage that that's exactly why lockdown mode was created to block things like PDFs and weirdly crafted messages from hitting your phone. Nasty. I think if I, if I were to ever professionally carry a bag, NSO group sounds like a pretty legit one. I think that's the easiest sale ever. You just can't sell to the U S <laughs> you can't sell to anybody. Now they're heavily sanctioned. Everywhere. That's why, was that? That's why L3 Harris was about to buy them is because they're, Technically, so they're supposedly circling the drain. So what's what's interesting is NSO Group 
out of Israel, they're not allowed to deploy their malware on any phone with the U.S. phone number. I think that's part of the Israeli export controls. So NSO created a fully wholly owned subsidiary, a different company that they would have spun up if they were to sell it to the U.S. So are the Israelis being good guys here? Is that what's going on? Well, I think because they're one of our geopolitical allies, they said even if it's a U.S. phone number abroad, they they can't legally put Pegasus on it. And I say legally. I don't know if there's a technical control, but legally they they're not supposed to do that. What what are the ramifications if it does? Who's going to say something? Who's going to police that? Where does this really go? Yeah, I think it's a who watches the Watchmen situation. Yeah. I have, a, I have an interesting story kind of a little bit dovetailed into this. So no name dropping. I'm not going to mention which three-letter agency, but a friend of mine, uh, we went and had lunch the other day, and he came back. He's like, yeah, he's like, I just met with one of these three-letter agencies. I had received a message, and they said they wanted to, like, just go have lunch. He's like, all right, you know, whatever. Like, this is kind of weird. He goes, but things got weird when he sent me the address of where we're going to go have lunch. And it goes all the way back to when I was 18 years old. And at this point in my life, I had uh, adjacent to this restaurant that we met at, I had stolen a vehicle uh, from this parking lot and then eventually had gotten away with it and never, it had never been prosecuted or anything. Um, Destroyed the vehicle, had a good time, whatever. But he just thought it was kind of weird that this three-letter agency met with him at this specific location and was kind of hinting around some of the the things that he had done as a younger man. He thought, oh, this is so weird. Fast forward, he believes that his computer has just been completely, like, and this guy is very, very bright, but like this this computer that he was using is, is completely useless at this point in time. Like it just started acting very, very weird to the point where like he couldn't even, it, was, it just became completely unusable even after reformat, and he, he believes that this three-letter agency, the, this one guy just has it out for him for one reason or the other. I'm all for a good conspiracy theory. Um, this is an interesting one. What was, the, uh, what was the premise of the meeting? Was it uh, for hire, or was it just to talk? I mean, I wouldn't show up anywhere with a federal agency unless I had a lawyer with me. I'll be honest with you guys right now. It's like if someone said, hey, we want to come chat with you, I'm like, yeah, not without a lawyer. <laughs> good advice yeah it was more it was more in line of uh information gathering because he, he's in, in in web security today so uh-huh. he's uh he's definitely what i would call more or less a, a an expert uh in in talking about web application security so he kind of th- went into it with that that premise and thought yeah all the, we, we must be talking about this yeah. but it wasn't uh, they're trying to recruit him or consult with him yeah. Yeah, you can recruit, exactly. You can recruit me with my lawyer in front of me cuz I don't know how this is going to turn. <laughs> <laughs> well, sounds sounds like your buddy needs some some good web security to make sure there's nothing bad touching yeah. his computer. Yeah, you. Did he ever validate that anything was on there or not on there? Uh, he ended up having to he uh what did he do? Last I, last I heard from him was he reforded the computer and still just useless. So he's just like going to have to buy a new one. Doesn't yeah. know what else to do with it. Just trash it at that point. Yeah. It's the only way to make sure the malware is gone. All right, since we said trash it for our third topic, subscription services are getting absolutely out of control. And I don't mean subscription ratio by having 
Netflix, Hulu, Dollar Shave Club, Rent the Runway, and all those services. I mean, subscription services for things you already own. And let me explain. Wait, did you say Rent the Runway? I've never even heard of that. Yeah, Rent the Runway. That's the subscription services where you can get a different outfit if you have like parties to go to and you don't want to buy like a $2,000 dress or you know, $3,000 suit. You can rent it for the event and then return it for a fee. You know our demographic has nobody using that service, right? Yeah, you don't know that. Listeners out there, if you use Rent the Runway or Stitch Fix or any of those, let us know. And no, you didn't say wrong. Stitch Fix. You said Rent the Runway. <laughs> don't back into this jerk. Let us know. Yeah. All right, go on. So the company Intel, the chip maker, launched a pay-as-you-go subscription service for its new server CPUs. If you want to turn on advanced features such as software guard extensions, SGX, or dynamic load balancer, well, there's a monthly fee for that, even though the CPU already has the hardware to do all those things. The other headline I saw is that Mercedes, the automaker, is charging $100 a month if you want faster acceleration for your car. What does that $100 buy you? About one second off your 0-60 to 60 time. Again, the car is fully capable of accelerating faster, but Mercedes puts it behind a paywall. So you guys know the term when a company charges a subscription fee for a service. That's the SaaS model, or software as a service. You never own it, you rent it for a monthly fee. And I'm going to use a new term for companies who charge for something you already own, and from now on they will be known as sassholes. So don't be a sasshole, Intel and Mercedes. You heard it here first so I, on the Pepcat. So. Yeah, sassholes, they're everywhere. So I can see how Mercedes can get away with this because they, you know, they own the the server, or not the server, the car, communications, yada, yada, yada. But Intel is literally a chip. So it makes me feel like, do they have an agent that runs on Windows and Linux that can turn this bit on or off? Because I can't imagine that the CPU has got some sort of magic... I can gateway out to the internet. I, I can only imagine, like, great question, but I think I can only imagine people, you know, um, side side loading their Mercedes or their 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 chips at home, finding a way to get around this so they don't have to pay for that. And so, what do you what do you what are you left with, right? And I, I really don't understand. I get I get the idea of commoditizing this, but this is the wrong place to commoditize that. I bought a car for sixty thousand dollars. Based off of this, or you know, sixty, eighty, hundred, twenty, hundred fifty thousand dollars, I want all features functions based off of what I bought it at today's at, at today's price, right? That's I think this is BS, and you're right, that is sassholeish. Sorry, sorry, Brian. <laughs> no, you go strong. You go, you go, Glenn Coco. Yeah, I think it for in Intel at least. I think it has to be baked into the BIOS because it can't be OS specific. It has to be in. Uh, is that ring Z- that's not even ring zero that's ring minus three if it's if it's in the firmware or hardware it has to be there and then there are ways it doesn't that doesn't have to reach out to the internet like we i used to sell a product that was completely offline and there is ways to put license keys in it and it'd just be signed by our private key and the the cpu or whatever software would have the public key and then you can apply a license key that says this feature is turned on for this between this date and this date. So you, you can do offline licensing uh, with with this. Yeah, that sounds like an operational nightmare. Maybe 
Intel uh, is selling the turbo button. Remember that on the old computers? <laughs> yes, the, tur- the 386s that you hit the turbo button. Yeah. <laughs> well, did, didn't they also build a chip? And then I remember like L1, L2 cache or whatever. And mm-hmm. they built it in there, but they, they disabled it because they found a way to sell it for cheaper by disabling it. And people found a way to enable the L2 cache. I can't remember. Like I said, it's been a long time now. That's like that was the I think that was the genesis of the Celeron processor because they had yeah. the Pentium and that had the higher cache and then they had the Celeron which they intentionally made slower so it wouldn't compete with the Pentium. Right, but it was still inside the for for a certain set of chips it was still inside the chip. They just didn't want to sell it at that because they had surplus of the Pentium chips, right? Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Then you just have to find a hardware hacker to unlock it. Yeah. So they did this. They've been doing this for a while, is what it sounds like. Cause you're just trying to find a way to commoditize it now. Shame on them. Yeah, they want they want that SaaS model. It's not just that one time fee anymore. Because Tesla, so Tesla does something similar that their car is fully capable of the acceleration. Uh, Tesla makes cars that have seat heaters, but you have to pay to turn it on. But at least they have the decency to charge a one time fee. So they said for a thousand bucks one time, your car will have faster acceleration forever. Like I, I, I can get more on board with that model than this, this SaaS model. Yeah. Pretty soon they start shipping cars with uh, like the window switch to go up and down or roll. So you have the option. Of, you, know, <laughs> you want power windows? You 10 bucks a month. <laughs> yeah. If not, you got to roll them down. Uh, it could be like other SaaS, man, other SaaS companies where every feature costs a nickel, right? So you add up all the nickels yeah. and then now you have a fully functioning car. So, so you nickel. want that Mercedes premium plus Premium Platinum Plus, Premium Plus Plus Plus. <laughs> There's all these different SaaS packages you can check out for your Mercedes car. ELA. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> New meaning for ELA. <laughs> yeah. My only regret is I should have, for, for all my, I have one kid left. Maybe I'll do it to her. But for all my kids, I should have ensured that their first vehicle had roll-up windows. I think that just would have been hilarious. Roll-up yeah. windows as in like manual roll-up windows? Yeah, yeah. The crank. The crank. <laughs> I still have that in a couple of my cars. So your your kids know. Yeah, my kids know. All right, and since Brian said the crank for our last topic, it. and it'll be a rotating topic every week, this week we're going to talk about an interesting question my wife posed to me over the Thanksgiving break. How did we all meet and become best friends? Bluntly, she said, just walking down the street, Brian's not the look of someone I would be besties with. So today we're going to talk about each of our perspectives on how we all became besties. All right, time out. What did I do or say that made her have this epiphany? This is actually related to a different story that we were talking about during Thanksgiving. And she just put it like, yeah, like Brian is not the type of person I would imagine you would become best friends with. (laughs) <laughs> so it wasn't anything you did. It's it spawned off a different conversation. Okay. Just looks so for me. <laughs> <laughs> for me, I, I met Brian first. At, I think it was at the SE boot camp we had in headquarters, and I think you were a relatively new hire then. And we hung out there, and it, I remember it was the SE boot camp where Lap brought in that food truck, and we we're all eating outside, and it was pretty early on in your your tenure here. And I think it's also important to note that the cast of characters we're going to talk about today are, we all reported to Guy. So Guy was that guest we had on our podcast and all roads lead back to Guy. 
And if you remember correctly, Guy is the Israeli doom or gloom guy. Yeah, I hired both of you, but not me, but I reported to him for a long time. So I also remember helping Brian back when we were on Google Chat that when you couldn't get SSL inspection on your personal blog website and I nmap scanned your site and found out you were doing TLS 1.2 strict when we didn't support it yet. And there were a few Easter eggs in the HTTP headers that you used too. So I think we hit it off after that. I also befriended Todd, who I interviewed before he came on and he was friends with you back in your F5 days. So we were the three amigos. Well, that was cool. So my story is a little bit different. This freaking Chris just starts texting me out of the blue. I'm like, who is this guy? Like, why won't he leave me alone? Just all the time. And eventually I had Adam as a contact. But that was just who I was back in the day. I was very much like utility focused. Like, who is this person? How can they help me? And then, you know, this is a tool in my tool belt. And then I just move on. I wasn't interested in having friendships with people. Was that, Chris wouldn't leave me alone. Just, was that also the, like, who the hell is this guy? And who is this person that's end mapping my, my, my network? <laughs> well, no, no. We were working on that together. Oh, okay. that, that made sense. But I just remember, like, out of nowhere, it was just a group chat between me, him, and, and Todd. I'm like, what the hell? Like, why? <laughs> what, what is going on here? That's all right, and then for Glenn, so Glenn was hired by Guy, and I was his onboarding buddy, and he was also one of the few Asian SEs we had here at Zscaler, so we immediately had that in common. I became friends with Glenn and brought him into the fold when I figured out he was one of us, and when I say one of us, there are two types of employees. There's someone who's a corporate cutout that follows the corporate script and follows all the rules to a T and the cutout always asks for permission before acting. Then there's the player, who goes with the flow and asks for forgiveness instead of permission. Spending a bunch of time and traveling with Glenn, I immediately knew he was a player, so I knew he would fit in with our group and brought him into the group chat. Well, thanks, Chris. I appreciate that. I, I, I'll be honest, uh, I was a lot nervous uh, trying to live up to the Chris Louie code knowing that you had your own blog, uh, weekly blog, I was like, how do I ever match up to someone of Chris's uh, stature here? And uh, yeah, you, you are a stand-up guy. Not only that, but uh, ended up being a really good mentor for me at Zscaler just from a technical standpoint. Because man, who, 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 I mean, people are listening right now. Have you ever gone to Chris and he tells you, ask him a question, he goes, I don't know. And uh, for me, it was like I could ask Chris a question at any time of the day and he would know and then he would back it up with a an article or an image of something. And I was like, this guy is like Wikipedia on crack. Like he he had everything. He had an answer for everything. And I, like I said, it was awesome. And then with Brian, uh, it was like, oh, my, uh, this guy's scary. <laughs> <laughs> but that gentle giant look. yeah but after you hang out with him he's like oh man he means well he's he's definitely the gentle giant he's pretty awesome but don't get he on his bad side all around don't get guy. on his don't get around don't get on his bad side <laughs> but yeah it's fun i'll remember it i think we were in dallas and chris is like you got to meet the new friend in the friend group i'm like oh god here we go and uh, you know i think Glenn was sitting down. I was like, who the F is this Asian Mr. Rogers? 
And, uh, you know, we just kind of sat there and talked. I think we talked a little bit about money. I was like, all right, this guy gets it. And then we had a couple other common interests. And then, yeah, it just, it, was, it snowballed from there. And then you said, stand up. And I'm and like, it, I am standing up. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I am a company guy. I don't know what you're talking about being a player here. I, I follow all the rules, Chris. That's I do right. not bend. There is no gray. How dare you? Yeah, I forget. Our, our bosses are listening to this probably. <laughs> Hey, we get stuff done. That's, that's right. That's that's the company motto. Just get stuff done. That is true. All right. Well, we continue to get great comments about our dad joke of the week. Dad joke of the week. This week, Glenn's up. All right. I I, I don't know if we did this one already. So because we've know, we're close, we're closing in on a hundred hundred jokes, right? So don't mess this up. Then. I know. I'm telling you. What is the biggest lie in the entire universe? That guac is free. No. <laughs> no one knows. Everyone knows guac isn't free. Come on. Yeah, that, that's why I said that's the biggest lie. <laughs> I, I think, like I said, no, this true. is bringing back. I have read and agreed to the terms and conditions. I know we talked about it, <laughs> but I don't know if we ever used that as a joke. <laughs> I don't think we ever used it as a joke, but yeah. yeah. Good one. Womp womp. Womp womp womp. Hey, one thing I do want to bring up next time for one of our next episodes, maybe for the hundredth, what we'll do is we'll do a dad joke session where uh, we'll have a list of dad jokes and see who can make the first one to laugh, uh, and then the person wins if we can get someone to laugh on the on the dad joke. That's actually a good one. A, a try not to laugh challenge. Yeah. All right, we could yeah, do that for we'll put we that could in do that for a future topic. Yeah, there you go. I'm totally winning this one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, to wrap things up, BlockFi filed for bankruptcy in the wake of the FTX scandal. The Zeppelin ransomware gang shuts down because no one was paying. The U.S. bought NSO Group's Pegasus spyware. Don't be a sasshole, Mercedes and Intel. And we are the best three friends that anyone could have. That's all we have for this week. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. You can find us all on LinkedIn. Links will be in the description. Follow us on Instagram at Pebcac Podcast. Thank you to all our listeners and subscribers who rate us five stars in the iTunes store and Spotify and left us a review. We appreciate you all spreading the word to help grow the show. The best way to find us is to search for the Pebcac Podcast on your favorite podcast listening app. For our co-host Brian Deach and Glenn Medina, I'm Chris Louie. Thanks for listening. We'll see you all next weekend. As always, have a nice day. What do you think sassholes smell like? <laughs> See, look, I just won. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs>